This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Swing high ball! Built to right center! And the Braves have won it! There's a new home run champion of all time, and it's Henry Aaron. A walk-off homer from Freeman, and the Braves win it! Welcome, everybody, to the latest edition of Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast, Atlanta Braves digital media content manager, uh, sitting across the desk in his office from uh, a director of Braves alumni relations, Greg McMichael. It says so out here that everybody at their desk and their cubes here in the office, they've got a nice little yeah. Braves plaque. What's it say on yours? Well, the, I mean, I just got my desk in here, my cube, and so they haven't made my plaque yet, but I saw somebody... Their handwriting looked a lot like yours, actually. It's funny. They had put up a handwritten sign that says Bubba Mast. I think it's Director of Digital Moonshine, I believe. And uh, that, right. that, that, that plaque magically appeared yesterday at my, my cube, and uh, it's still there today. Well, so. I felt bad that you had no – nobody knew who you were. <laughs> well, everybody definitely knows now, and I appreciate it. So, so yeah, we're, uh, we're coming to you live here from the, the offices at Truist Park, and um, it's exciting times, man. We're – uh, we're, as we're taping this now, the Braves are two and a half games back. As I said in our interview with our guest, who I'll introduce in just a moment, it's been an, a weird year in a lot of different ways. But the fact of the matter is, it's August, and the Braves are right there in the thick of it in the NL East. And so we're happy about that, happy about the trade deadline and how that went. Um, so our guest today is a returning guest. Uh, we had him on. We talked a little current Braves with him a couple months ago, and we had him on for the first time. But we also did a lot of just learning about him and how he arrived here. Uh, Gabe Burns covers the Braves for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Does a great job. Um, a good friend of mine outside of our, our professional relationship here. Um, uh, but I wouldn't have him on just because he's a friend. We have him on because he's good at what he does. Yes. And he, he's... Uh, Again, young. We call him Young Gabe for a reason. He is pretty young to have gotten a beat for a professional team, but again, he earned it because he's he's quite good um, and very well spoken. I think so. Um, that was fun just to get to talk with Young Gabe for a little bit, wasn't it? Yeah, very, he's very knowledgeable, obviously, about the team and just baseball in general, sports. He's a big Bucks fan. We won't talk about that, but um, <laughs> but he Buccaneers. Uh, we should say, yeah, Buccaneers. Yeah. But it's good to get his insight. Obviously, somebody who follows and writes, um, you know, about the team on a daily basis, and it's good to hear what his thoughts are. And of course, you know, you and I are kind of the outside looking in a little bit. We're not obviously down in the locker room. We're not on the field. We're not talking to Snit and the players and the coaches and and other guys like Bowman and McAlpin. But it is it is interesting to hear hear his perspective and and to see you know how that differs or is the same as ours yeah it's interesting to me um i couldn't do anybody can go talk to a manager or player after a big win uh, but they have to talk to them and ask them questions every single day win or lose and um mm. and in snit's case they're talking to him before and after every right. single game so i couldn't do that so I, I have a lot of respect for these guys that do do that and are do it in a very professional way and have been doing it for for a while so and Gabe is definitely uh, one of those guys that I have respect for just how he like we would say about a ball player how he goes about his business he's a pro and I very much appreciate mm-hmm. that about him so this time around we already we, we got to hear about his story about how he got here the last time we had him on this time around we figured it's August dog days are here the trade deadline just happened uh, man we've got a heck of a race going for the NLE so we figured it'd be a good time to have a, a one of the writers on to talk just about the current situation of the Braves and everything that's going on so uh, without further ado here he is Gabe Burns
Well, young Gabe, uh, we haven't scared you off yet. You decided you've agreed to come back on Behind the Braves. Uh, very happy about that. Thank you for coming down. Um, I'm not sure where to start. Well, you're wearing a Bucks hat, so I guess we should just get that out of the way. I don't know. Are there any other Bucks fans? We're taping this in the office today in a conference. Room, I've never right? seen another Bucks fan. Oh, <laughs> not just in the office. Okay. Anyway, okay. Fair enough. Well, I remember the unis back in the day. They were this bright yellowish orange. Yeah, the creamsicles. They give the cream they sickles. give Tennessee a hard time. I mean, those creamsicles, man. They were. I kind of liked them. They were. They were kind of different. They're strong. Yeah, I like. Well, as far be it for a Washington football team fan and a Dallas Cowboys fan to talk smack to the Tampa Bay Bucks fan. So, um, well, Gabe, I, uh, I I guess the last time we had you on, we were just chatting before we turned the mics on. I don't know how we talked about it on the show, but I don't think things were looking as up or as positive for the Braves at that point, the 2021 Braves, as they are sitting here. Just to start in general, how would you – this has been such a weird season, at least from my perspective. And overall, we're sitting here as we're taping this today. Braves are two and a half games out of first. It's August. They haven't been over 500, but the only thing that matters is they're right there in it. So overall, I, especially given everything that's happened, I'm tickled to death with that. But overall, how do you characterize this season thus far? Like, what, What's the first thing that comes to mind? Um, well, first of all, thank you guys for having me back on. I'm sorry you're so desperate as to, <laughs> to bring me back here. <laughs> Um, I, I don't know. It's it's weird. I, I think it's one of those everything that could possibly go wrong has, mm. has kind of gone wrong for them. And yet they're somehow still in this thing. Um, so it is. I don't know. I, I really don't. I don't know how you describe the season. I don't even know how you look at it, because all, all that I can really say, and we were we talked a little bit about this before the show, is the fact that they're still in it. Yes, it's an indictment on how weak the division is. It's also it just shows how strong the culture is here now. It, it's you know it's a credit to Snit. It's obviously a credit to Alex, and I'm sure we'll talk about the moves that he made at the deadline. But mm-hmm. you know it would have been easy, especially in today's climate, with the way that teams mm-hmm. are kind of there's an issue around baseball of teams that just don't really want to compete um, for whatever reasons. And it would have been really easy for the Braves to just say this isn't our year. You trade some veterans, you st- you cut some salary, you step back, and you just say we'll come back. 2022 will be stronger than ever. They're not doing that because they do see value in still winning. So they should be credited for that. So I think, yeah, I mean, no one's going to tell you it's been a great season. No one's even going to tell you it's been a good season. But for them to still be where they are, I think this is the closest they've been to first place since May 26th. So, I mean, for them to for them to still be in this thing, for them to just continue to, you know, things can – they've just kept the ship afloat despite so much going against them. And for them to have that big NL East road trip leading mm-hmm. into um, the trade deadline and to come out of that with a winning record – I just, uh, I think they deserve a lot of credit, and at the same time, um, it's obviously been a disappointing season, but it could could be a lot worse. Yeah, I, I know coming out of the break, when we went through that stretch, I remember looking at that stretch when it was upcoming of Rays, we had Tampa Bay, and you had the Padres, and I, I kind of thought privately, or at least to myself, well, this will be the stretch that, that lets us know like where we're headed for the rest of this year. This is where we're – and quite frankly, it didn't really – didn't really do do that we were just kind of still in the same place we were in so to be sitting here now they did enough at the trade deadline at the front office went out and got them some help some significant help so i'm pretty happy with that um if this team and I'm, I'm projecting a little bit here but if this team does go on to win this division this year in 2021 where each one each one this will be the fourth in a row each one of these division titles i think are different in the way we would views them view them where would this one be i mean this would be quite regardless of what would happen in the postseason that'd be a heck of an accomplishment just for this team to make the postseason wouldn't it yeah Given everything that's happened no no question and i think you know 18 surprised everybody nobody that came out of nowhere this one um i don't know if surprise is the right word but this one would just be kind of a testament to kind of what they've built over the last few years here mm. that they've that they're still able to somehow piece this thing together in a division that a lot of people thought was going to be really good and it turns out it is as competitive as people thought just not um <laughs> not for the reasons that they expected so i do th- i think it would be i mean the fact that they're as close as they are I, I think is an accomplishment um it's still a frustrating season certainly and they would tell you that because there's been you look at the run differential especially if you're to believe that's kind of projecting going forward this team should be a lot better than it is just based on that alone um so 
you look at some of the missed opportunities they've had, some of these games that they've lost, some of these low-scoring close games. I mean, you could you could easily look at this and go, their record should be a lot better than it is, even though they've lost all these guys. So it's certainly still frustrating, um, and it may end. You know, it might end with them just going 80 and 82, and that's the end of it. But again, you know, um, they deserve credit for just going mm-hmm. going in on this thing and, and not waving the white flag. Well, I mean, you got 55 games left, right? Yeah, I think that's where we are. And it's amazing to think that this could be a big turnaround going on in this last part. I mean, 50, that's a lot of games, right? 55, a lot of games. I remember theres we've had some teams that have um, had some incredible records over the course of 60 games. I mean, just look at the team last year. They, they, they put on a pretty good run in 60 games. And you never know what kind of spark what Alex just did at the deadline – Obviously, Solaire's got something to prove. Duvall has been – he is – we know what he is, and he's he's been pretty solid. And um, you don't know getting Darno back and Noah back. And, um, you know, and, and I think Jock's got something to prove. And I think he came in with looking kind of a, a fresh perspective. Whenever you send a, a good competitor – a good player that had been on a World Series team like where Jock was and, you, and you'd send him to jail in Chicago, <laughs> right? Um, that does something to your competitiveness. And then all of a sudden you get out of jail free card and you come here. I think he's playing a little bit like that. I, I like his enthusiasm. But you never know that combination of players and what's going on there, what that's going to do to this team. Because let's face it, you know, we talk about these close games. How many games have we been right there? One run. I mean, if you look at the last three or four series, we only won one game out of three, but we could have very easily won two out of three on all those. They were one-run games here, one-run games there. That was either the missing piece in the bullpen. It was a couple different at-bats with guys. So, I don't know. I, I just uh, – I'm, I'm pretty excited about where we are. If we continue the trend that where we've been, and we do end up 18-82, we can say, well, we gave it a pretty good run. But something seems a little bit different when you've got new guys in the lineup and they're providing an immediate spark. It does something for the rest of the guys. Um, now, whether or not it can be sustainable over 55 games, we'll see. But I don't know. I think everybody's pretty optimistic right now. And I know I've been in a clubhouse where you felt like you were just kind of running in place. And then all of a sudden you get a spark, and you know obviously we all know the Fred McGriff story, where one guy came in and hit a home run that night. Of course, the stadium caught on fire; that helped too. Um, <laughs> and 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 the whole season changed. We came back ten games on the Giants, so uh, I, I know what that feels like, and I know what it does to a team that's been kind of running in place. And all of a sudden you get that spark. Maybe they're feeling that right now. Of course, none of us are down there, so it's really hard to tell, and you can't you can't find out anything over Zoom. But I have a feeling that these guys can be inspired just by Solaire coming in, hitting a home run, by um, Adam Dunn. Adam Dunn. The big donkey. Uh, yeah, not Adam Dunn. <laughs> Adam <Sorry>. Duvall. <laughs> Adam Duvall. It was Adam Dunn. Adam Duvall gets a hit the first night, a big you know, RBI single. I know what that can do, and it may not seem a whole lot, but it 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 can impact a team. And um, so, anyway, I'm I'm pretty optimistic about what's going on down there. Yeah, I I will say um, Adam Duvall. He had a, he threw a guy out at home a couple of days ago, I think. Yeah, and that might have been one of the games the Braves lost. I forget which one that all they run together, but. Uh, no disrespect to anybody else that has played out there in left field recently, but when he uncorked that throw, I was like, man, it feels good to see mm-hmm. somebody that's got an arm yeah. out there again. Yeah. It just did. Um, and just seeing him at the plate just because we're comfortable with him and you know he's comfortable here, that that right. felt good. Well, let's face it. I mean, if Freddie Freeman can go three for three every night and he's still not going to win every game for us. Right. We're just missing those other bats that can pick up the slack when Dansby doesn't hit or, you know, um, we don't get the play. You know, of course, Austin's been great, but he can't. Three guys can't carry a team every night. So if you add three guys or a bullpen guy, and and you have a combination of that, and they can pick up the slacks on those on the day where we're we're supposed to lose, right? We've been going one win, one loss. Yeah. You would think by 
adding those guys that they may turn those those losses into some some of those wins and if we could have just turned 10 of those through the course of uh this season we'd be in a totally different situation and probably feel a lot different yeah well i want to ask something of both of you um to somebody who covers sports and then somebody who's who played uh professionally i think it was a uh, frenchie was talking about this on the broadcast last night the first game in st louis uh i've gotten into a phase now where i switch back and forth in the game i like trying to get a feel for what both our radio crew and our tv crew are doing and through the MLB TV app, you know, you can sync up the radio audio now. So, but I, st- I believe this was on the TV side last night. Um, I believe Frenchie was talking about the number of guys we've got that are, are playing for their next contract. I don't mean this as a, I don't think it's, it's disrespectful to say that it's extra motivation for a guy. They're playing for their next contract. I don't, I think there could be some, sometimes there could be like the, you're hinting at that, like, well, well, if it's not a contract year, they're not trying as hard. I don't think that's usually the case. Sometimes it probably is, but I don't think it usually is. I feel like that's just another motivation that you just naturally, organically find when you're playing for a contract. So basically what I'm saying is how much do you buy into that? I'll start with Gabe. How much do you buy into that as somebody who covers sports, follows sports, that that, that that is something that matters? That extra motivation can help, especially if you've got a couple guys that are that are playing for the next contract. Yeah, I mean, it's human nature, and you were just talking about it. So, Jock Peterson, you know, again, he was in, he was competing for World Series every year in L.A., and he becomes a free agent, and he didn't get the contract he wanted from Chicago. But he wants to prove he's more than just a platoon player. You look at Warren Soler, he has not been having a good year. He's also, up, you know, he's up for a new contract. There's probably going to be the DH in the National League, so he should have more suitors than he would have, you know, in the past. There Obviously, there's a lot of motivation there, and that's a guy who had a big year in 2019, and he's trying to get back to those kind of numbers. That was, what was it, uh, 48 home I runs? I think it was 48. 48. I mean, yeah. that's ridiculous. Um, and, and, I mean, of course, Adam Duvall, I mean, human nature for him, too. He wants to prove the Braves, like, you guys should have, you know, you guys should have kept me to begin with, right? Right. Um, obviously, they go out and get him back, and, and they like him and everything. But I mean, he would—I'm sure he would like to stick around beyond these next couple months as well. And in Rich Rodriguez's case, you know, he's finally getting to pitch in games that matter. Yeah. He's been pitching for a team that's just terrible, and you know, he just—I I guess in his professional, uh, his professional life, he hasn't pitched in any meaningful games. Um, so, you look at it from that—from that, you know, even Stephen Vogt, like that's a guy who's kind of. It, you know, it's his career's twilight, and he, you know, he's wanting to play for a team that matters. So, yeah, definitely. And I mean, you can obviously speak much better to this than I could, but I certainly, I certainly feel like the human elements at play here. Yeah, I think that when you look at the best athletes in the world, I mean, the best baseball players in the world are right here. They're all in a pile. They have to have something that will separate them, right? And you never know. Everybody goes on the field. Everybody faces a pitcher. Everybody faces a hitter, and you do your you do your deal. But what are the extra little motivations that are going to make you stand out? Because it it be, can become a job. I mean, no matter how you like it, no matter what we do in life, everything can become a job. No matter if it's the greatest job in the world, right? You do it long enough, that it becomes a routine. So when you add in these little extra motivations, like World Series, okay, good team, you know, or you get to play with the you know your best friend or it's a contract year or it's the town you live in those are those extra little things that happen that can get you outside that average pool of everybody being the same i kind of look at it that way and so yes we always tease about well it must be a contract year because he's really you know he's really motivated and uh it wasn't that he wasn't motivated before but there's just this extra little incentive that okay i'm i'm up against the wall i better i better do a little bit more and 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 uh, you would like to think that human nature, that everybody would always do a little bit more and everybody be motivated the same. But we know that's not reality, right? That's not right. that's not life. And so I just see that as you never know what extra little incentive somebody, you know, has going for them that's going to make them really pop that year. And um, so anyway, I, I love seeing – I'm always more interested in chemistry. I don't know how Rodriguez fits in or Soler, Soler fits in or Jock fits in, but I just kind of, you know, I was thinking about Ozuna and how he came in here right away, and, man, he fit in so well because he just his personality. And you just never know how those guys, because, you know, we you've been covering teams and, and you've seen the dynamic of the teams we've had here recently, and then I've been on teams where I know when a guy comes in and he doesn't fit. 
And I know when a guy comes in like, man, this dude's awesome. I'll go hang out with him. You just never know what combination. So Alex is up there pulling the strings and figuring that out. I just love that dynamic because I'm thinking, okay, I wonder how this is going to work. You know, this guy's, you know, this guy, they're bringing him in. And this guy leaves like Ender. And this guy doesn't get to play anymore. But everybody really liked him. And uh, so, I don't know. But all I know is that when you win, it solves a bunch of things. <laughs> yeah. So the Dodgers can go by everybody in the world. As long as they keep winning, it, they're going to be the greatest team in the world. But when you have a bunch of those guys and they don't win, and I think, you know, the expectations like the Phillies, we were making talking about that. I'm, I would love to know what's going on and what they're saying in Philly because they don't have any excuses. The Mets – They've had 20 people on the DL, right? The IL. We've had a ton of people on the IL. The Braves and the Mets, it's understandable why they've their season's not maybe not as good as it it could be. But the but the Phillies don't have that. Yeah. They don't have that. So I'm wondering what they're saying is the problem up there because they've got big dollars and they've got big time players and they've got big time pitchers, but they've got they're stupid not, money. They're not doing anything. Yeah, they're not doing anything yeah. they've to got, stand out. They've got the longest playoff drought in the NL. Mm, they, that's incredible. Uh, they, yeah, they paid Bryce Harper that huge contract. They've yet to have a winning season with him. It's not his fault, but you just kind of look, and obviously it is it is not a market known for its patience. <laughs> um, yeah. So you look at this, and I mean, it's. I mean, I don't. I don't necessarily want to call it a disaster for him, but it's a pretty bad look for them to. You know, for them to just be here with the Braves and Mets, who have just dealt with just endless. And now, you know, the Mets aren't getting to ground back until September. I think when I look at this, however this season ends, I look at this um, and I feel really good about saying I think the Braves and Mets are going to be really good in the coming years, both of them. Because just the way that they have kind of handled these two years with so much going wrong, I think says a lot about just the, the talent level and just how those two teams are run. I know that people kind of like to make fun of the Mets and the memes and everything, but I mean, still, they've had a lot of issues and they've been in first place for, what, a few months now? Right. So um, credit to them as well. So I, I think both of those teams are in really good shape to be contenders for a while. What uh, What did you think, Gabe, of uh, the moves the Braves made at the, the trade deadline? I will say, and look, I'm I'm a Braves employee. I have like I co-host the podcast for the team. So, are you going to hear me coming down here blasting the Braves? No, probably not. Uh, but I was. I can say I was really, really happy with the moves. I thought for this team they were solid moves. But I am curious for you, um, what, what was your analysis of Alex's and the front office's moves at the trade deadline? Yeah, I, th- I think they did really about realistically I think they did about the best job they could have because it's not a situation where you're going to go all in um, not that Washington would have traded Scherzer here um, anyway or that this team even needs rotation help but when you when you look at guys like that um, this was just not a situation uh, where you're going to be cashing in some of those top prospect chips for a guy like that and I think that Alex knew that I think realistically he knows the odds of this team coming out of the NL are you know pretty low uh, so when you look at it that way, you have to kind of make moves kind of around the margins. And he didn't part with anybody super valuable. I think that's the most important thing was, again, like this team, one thing that he has done, and, you know, people have kind of criticized Alex um, maybe for how conservative he's been at times or whatever. But one thing he's done a really good job of is identifying guys who fit. You were talking about clubhouse fit, just team fit, guys who fit and at a reasonable cost. And, you know, Alex Jackson, he did not have a future here. And you get Adam Duvall for him. I mean, even Bryce Wilson. I mean, how, we've talked about Bryce for a few years now, just about the, you know, what's going to happen here. When's he going to establish himself? And it's been up and down. And it wasn't. It obviously wasn't an ideal situation for his development from the standpoint of he wasn't taking the ball every fifth day, and it was just tough. So now, you know, he gets an opportunity. He's going there. And the Braves, they they didn't. They lost depth basically. Um, so I think that he deserves credit there. Um, I think even he has said in interviews, you know, that. that you know they could have done more, and you can nitpick. You could say maybe you want to have another reliever instead of one of the uh, one of the other outfielders. I mean, you can play that, but I think generally, um, when you're looking at this realistically with the team situation, um, kind of the hand that he was dealt, um, you're not replacing Ronald Acuna right. no matter what you do. But mm-hmm. going out and getting three outfielders who can mash, you know, um, I, I think that that was about you know realistically. 
the best thing that they could do. I mean, again, you're not – look at the teams that had the – you know, the Yankees had a sexy deadline. You get Gallo, you get Rizzo. Obviously, the Dodgers, I mean, the rich get richer there. Um, but I think that when you consider the situation and when you consider, when you consider what they gave up, I, I think the Braves did, did pretty well. Yeah, and I think looking at especially those two, two of the moves you mentioned there, trading Bray, uh, Bryce Wilson to Pittsburgh and Alex Jackson to Miami, that's one of the old cliches in baseball of like you hope for when you make trades, it's it's you kind of hope it works out for both sides, you know. Well, I mean, you want your team to come out better, but ideally moving forward, especially for front office to front office, if you, mm-hmm. you make deals that work for both sides, then that's <laughs> that's good for everybody. Alex Jackson went had his first career home run from the Marlins. Helped get, the Braves. Yeah, 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 yeah. there you go. <laughs> Help the Braves and what Bryce Wilson. I think he, I think he had his first start for Pittsburgh. Pitch. I think yeah. I think he went five innings, made his first start. And the chance. And like you said, the Pirates are not not good. Although they look pretty good against the Braves earlier this year. Mm-hmm. Neither here nor there. But overall, they're not. He'll get a chance to actually pitch there and not in a pressure situation. And Alex Jackson, if he's going to be a big leaguer, he'll he'll have a chance to prove it with Miami now. So that's that's good. What do yeah. you think of the, the trade deadline, Greg? I, I was surprised we did as much as we did, Yeah, personally. Um, especially in light of Anoa and um, Darno coming back. I mean, that gives you basically six moves. I mean, if you think about all that we did, right? I mean, we had the four at the deadline. So I don't know. I was, I was just kind of surprised. But um, I think it was great. I think Alex, a tribute to his team up there that they are all in and they're always trying to find ways. It doesn't hurt us long term. It doesn't hurt us short term. I mean, it's um, it was only it only bolstered this team. And I think when you have players that are coming, you know, it, you can look at Jock's numbers and you look at Solaire's numbers and, and you can think, well, you know, they weren't having that great a year, but then they come to a team that's actually in the hunt and that they're actually, uh, and, you know, Rodriguez, of course, he was pitching well anyway, but those two guys specifically that you're going to want to start every day, man, it, it lights a fire in them because now they get those competitive juices going again and what was maybe a, a throwaway year for them, now, man, they're they're all in and it just, it just uh, can be that big spark that we're looking for. So I was surprised we did as much as we did uh, in light of where we are as an organization and with Freddie looming and with, you know, not knowing about Ozuna and not, and, and you've got, uh, um, just all these different variables and are we really going to make a World Series run? I just, I didn't know. I think it could have gone either way um, because you certainly don't want to give anything up with it if you're not sold out that we're going deep in the playoffs, which we, you know, have come to expect over the last couple of years with with this team. So, anyway, I was pleasantly surprised, but I, I did have a question for you, Gabe. I was just wondering, have you heard anything more? Darno's been playing in Gwinnett. How's he doing? Uh, do we know anything about Noah, what he's doing, and what, when he's going to get back? Uh, well, Darno, I believe, caught seven innings last night. Wow. Um, Throw him I, into I the fire. So, yeah, so he um, – He's making he's making progress. I mean, I think his bobblehead day is what is it August twelfth? It's coming right? up. Oh, he's um, definitely back for yeah, that. Get, you get your tickets. You Maybe he'll come back, back on his bobblehead day. I'm not. They I, have no, him, I have no internal knowledge. Just they got to give him at least a, a day before that. The marketing in me, the marketing guy in me, is saying <laughs> if he came back on his bobblehead day, it wouldn't be the worst thing. But, uh, yeah, no, the, but go the, ahead. The storyteller yeah. in me is like, yeah, he has to be back. For that. <laughs> See, <laughs> there you go. He yeah, has to be back for that. You know, and Noah's going to be a good ad too. Help, you know, a, a guy who's going to help the bullpen. Um, just more, just more help there. I mean, and and two, like you look at this is really, you know, not we have plenty of time to look ahead to, to next year too. But I mean, you look at this. I mean, they've got some free agents in the bullpen. You know, Morton and Smiley are going to be free agents, and they have they do have some. You know, uh, Rodriguez is here. He's under team control, so you assume they'll keep him. And you know, what will what role will Anoa serve next season? Um, Tucker Davidson is a guy who you know impressed before he got hurt, and he could factor into that conference. So they, you know, it, it's in, it's going to be interesting to just kind of over not just the next two months, but really you know the next two months, and then the off season because this team has has some versatile guys and it has a lot of options. I'm I'm really interested to see kind of how all this winds up coming together before opening mm-hmm. day of next year. Is Zanoa pitching any? Yes, any yeah, rehab? he pitched. He pitched in high A Rome. The, the numbers were not good, but everything was fine, um, velo wise, how he felt, and everything. So good. he's he's a guy who, again, I, I you'll see him, I believe, in the coming weeks. Just like he's doing like an inning here, an inning there. He pitched two innings, I believe. Okay, in, good in high. A, so he's he's on his way. 
Yeah, well, you know, obviously I'm sure he was disappointed, but he's got to be ecstatic about being able to get back and finish strong the last two months of the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was um, it was a learning experience for him, I'm sure. Uh, he was – I mean, heck, that was his – that was his one bad start out of how many, I think, there and during that stretch where he, yeah. um, where he, you know, got frustrated and everything. But uh, he was he was really impressive early in the year, and so uh, obviously it's pretty exciting to see him back out there. And he should should really help the team. And same thing for Darno. I mean, Darno did not have a great start before he got hurt, but um, you look the the catcher spot is really something this team's patched together just all year. I think they use seven different catchers, seven. Yeah. Um, and some guys like Jeff Mathis. LaCroix, these guys weren't here that long. You know, Contreras, he got pretty long leash before uh, they just finally determined that he just – He was, was better matched. Yeah, he was just better off to um, continue working in AAA. It's the same thing they uh, decided with Pache. You know, we talk about the outfield and how different things are. We don't ever really talk about Pache anymore because that was another thing that kind of – it wasn't a – it wasn't like Ozuna or Acuna where it's just, you know, an unexpected development. Something happens. That that one could have been kind of easier to predict. But that was a guy that was their opening day center fielder. Mm-hmm. And he just he just didn't have it. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly this team wasn't expecting to roll with Guillermo Heredia for uh, for as long as it has. But, um, you know, credit to him and Almonte and Adrianza and some of these guys who have uh, yeah, come out really of nowhere. Yeah, he really stepped up. Adrianza I was totally impressed with and still have been. He He's done well the whole time. But I was curious about. Um, you know, we brought up Contreras, and I, I felt all along he seemed a little overmatched, you know, a little too young, but yet we never even thought about Drew Waters, and I thought he would have been ahead of Contreras. Yeah, um, well, in Contreras's case, I mean, it, it's it was a little an unfair situation to him. Um, this was a guy, obviously, they were, there wasn't a minor league season last year, and due to injuries, he was kind of thrown up um, into the major league level. And it's okay that he wasn't ready, you know. I, no one's criticizing him for that. And he did have some moments. Mm-hmm. He had he had a uh, he had that double in the extra inning game against the Phillies that was pretty big. Um, helped them come back and win when they were down. Was it four? I think um, that's that, right. Yeah. I mean, he had he had a few moments and he he showed some power and everything, but he was not quite ready, and, and that's fine. Um, in Drew Waters' case, I actually I talked to him for a while in Denver. Um, before the Futures game. And, you know, he actually – he had a really bad June. Mm. I think he hit 188 in June. Um, The strikeout rate is really high. Um, He was a lot better in July. I think he hit like 313, looked more like himself. And his – the thing that he just kept saying is that there's a lot to learn in struggling and that he hadn't really struggled that much in his minor league career Mm. until then. So I think just listening to him talk and just seeing the numbers – again, I'm not watching him play, obviously, but just listening to the way he talks, seeing the numbers, I think for him it's still still a work in progress. Mm. And I think that the team understands that. And and when you look at – you know, acquiring all the outfield help they did at the deadline. I think that tells you that Pache and Waters are, you know, probably not going to be options here in these last two months, barring injury. And is he in Jackson? He's in Gwinnett. Oh, he's in Gwinnett too. Okay. And what kind of years Pache having? Um, it has not. The last the last time that I saw, it's been up and down down there as well. So I think that. I think for both of those guys, the Braves just kind of want to have them take a step back and, and just continue to develop. And, and again, it's tough because, you know, you lose last season. Um, it, it, it's gonna. We don't know how it's going to impact guys individually, mm-hmm. right? We continue mm-hmm. to look at this, and some guys have hit the ground running, and some guys have, have really struggled to get going. And I think in the case of both of those guys, they just they just need more seasoning. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've, we've gotten a little spoiled here by a few of these guys like Acuna and Ozzy, who yeah. just are, are just really special yeah. talents. That is not the norm. Well, Ozzy's yeah. spent a long time in the minor leagues. Yeah. yeah. So Acuna is the one that you can't compare anybody to. Yeah. He, you know, of course, he was probably – what was he playing in our development program 16 or something like that so it seems like he was up here quick but he'd been playing ball for a while so it's just it's just a different world I've always been an advocate that we these guys need more time in the minor leagues and that we we bring them up too quick and that we're expecting them to learn in the big leagues and that's just not reality I mean like even Acuna he was great one of the most talented guys we've seen at age 21 outside of the last person was Andrew Jones, but he spent, you know, four or five years working up through the ranks. He just was so young, he wasn't on anybody's radar. 
um, like most guys coming out of high school or college here, they're on everybody's radar, and we track them for two or three years and wonder why they're not in the big leagues when they should be spending, you know, three or four solid years in the minor leagues yeah. learning to struggle, like Drew said. That's a, that's a real thing. But I think another real thing is learning to succeed because you can have fear of success just like you can have fear of failure. Um, I experienced it, and it's, it's a real thing. And so um, just – believing that you belong and that you should you know how do you take instead of one good year one bad year you just kind of stair step and you continue to to get better um those are things you learn in the minor leagues that you that are very difficult to learn in the big leagues yeah 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 Uh, well one thing that waters really added to that was part of when he said he he was learning from struggle he had mentioned that he was learning to impact the game in other ways Um, and I, I thought that was that was interesting as well. And, and you can speak from a player perspective, but not a position player perspective. But um, I, I guess I guess there's just you know the team is just looking at this. And when you when you hear Waters say stuff like that, you know he's like my offense wasn't clicking, so I'm, I'm you know I'm trying to make sure that I can make a difference on the base pass. You know my my defense and just learning. And he he talked a lot about just becoming a professional, knowing where to throw the ball, knowing your da- you know you've gone 0 for two. What are you going to do? What adjustment are you going making that third at bat and he just kept talking that way and it just it sounded like a player who uh was obviously taking it very seriously who's just mm-hmm. it's really in the, still in the midst of figuring everything out and you know who's a great example of that this year and this is um has been dansby swanson swanson okay so he really struggled hitting the ball early on the season but man he played some great defense and had some a few clutch hits but he he could have his defense could have suffered but man he played some of the best defense i've seen him play over the last four years during the time he was batting 210 220 230 but but since the all-star break he's continued he started going the other way he started driving the ball up the middle and putting together some really good bats he's cut way down on the strikeouts but i've been impressed that he's played defense all year long and done the right things base running defense um, even when his hitting was was terrible but now his hitting has come around and he's been the complete player the last month and um, it's been great to see so that's a great example of of uh, somebody currently on the big league team that's that's doing that that very thing that's another benefit too i think of all the moves the the front office made at the trade deadline if a guy like dansby does start to struggle a little bit it's easy to move him back down the lineup again mm-hmm. where for a good part of the season dansby had to be in that top four or five i mean just or top five i should say um so that's been another just the depth that we've got is certainly uh mm-hmm. helped in uh any number of ways. One thing I wanted to ask you, so this came up the other day, uh, I guess Sunday's game, the last game of the homestand, um, when I was sitting next to you and and Bowman. And, of course, unfortunately, Fernando Tatis went down with the injury. And, of course, we've already lost Acuna. DeGrom's not coming back till September. So I posed this question to you. I said, if – and, you know, you don't root for injury, especially young stars like this for the game. That's just so bad for the game when these guys that people love to watch go down. But – um, if Tatis is out for a while, as I'm just posing it the way I posed to you the other day, and we know DeGrom's out for a bit, Acuna's obviously done. I said, does Freddie now have, if he keeps up what he's doing, does he have a legit shot at winning MVP again? Um, so what do you think? What do you think are the chances? Are we? Is this something we can actually start to talk about now that we're, August is here? Yeah, it feels like the chances are going up by the day. Uh, yeah. You, you yeah. don't you look, you don't uh, you said it. You don't want anyone to get hurt. Um Tatis is awesome. Yeah. I mean, he's just such a fun player and he's mm-hmm. just so dynamic. And you know, one thing that Freddie um during his media availability at the All-Star game, you know, people kept coming up to him and someone from San Diego was asking him about Tatis and he just raved about him and he said he's kind of the West Coast version of what we have on the East Coast with Acuña. Sure. He's like they're really similar players and everything and and he's awesome. And obviously, DeGrom was um, having just an incredible year. Mm-hmm. You remember when the Braves kind of got a hold of him in the first inning of that game, and everybody mm-hmm. was just shocked because mm-hmm. you just don't. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah, you just don't expect an inning out of that from an inning like that out of him. So, um, I mean, you just keep continue to look at the field. Um, I think Freddie is right there in the mix now, uh, especially mm-hmm. if this team is going to wind up, you know, in first place. 
Uh, he'll be – because if you look at the way that the team – I mean, you just look, he'll be the one leading the charge, and he's going to get the attention for that too. Um, whereas – you know, who are the other MVB candidates? You know, we took a look at it. Castellanos is having an, uh, just a having phenomenal a year. year. Um, year. And the Reds are good, and they're not far behind San Diego for that second wild card, and they might surge and wind up making the playoffs anyway. And he'll have a really good case. And uh, you you can look at it. I, I know Buster Posey's had good numbers, and the Giants have been the surprise of baseball. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there's a few guys. But Freddie, I mean, uh, where's he at right now? Is he at 294, 94, yeah. I believe? He was yeah. last night, yeah. So, I mean, he he three hits last night including the homer including the homer it's like ho-hum you know he's another three hits for freddie and it's like the the struggles from the big from the you know early part of the season um and freddie doesn't even call them struggles because he maintains he's like i was feeling great it's just the ball just was not luck was not luck was was not on my side Mm -hmm. yeah so uh i don't see why he can't be because the more you look at the field and with the way you know if the braves especially if the team winds up in first place um I mean, again, Castellanos is going to have a case, mm-hmm. but Freddie's going to be right there in the mix again. Well, and here's the thing people overlook. To be an MVP, you got to play every day. And you've got to – you can't miss games. So, Freddie's not on the DL, right? I keep calling it DL, sorry. IL. Old habits. Yeah. It happens. He's not, he's not on the IL, which I think Castellanos has been hurt too a little bit. And he doesn't take any days off. And he plays a position that's, you know – that requires a lot. So, I mean, my gosh, I mean, it, what what a surge. He just keeps getting two and three hits a night. And um, I don't know if he can make up this much ground in the last two months. What's he going to do in the next two months? I mean, he may, may be right back up to 320. Who knows? But uh, I didn't yeah. even – if you said two months ago that he was going to hit 300, I'd be like, <laughs> oh he'll be God. lucky to get yeah. back to – even if he does what we know he can do, he'll be lucky to get back to 285, yeah. 280. That's what's so amazing about it. And a gold glove first baseman. Yeah. I mean. You look at the numbers earlier in the year, you never would have imagined. You'd look mm. up in August and he's – and you're going, what? I, I think we talk about Freddie being – underrated nationally you know he's obviously he's less underrated now that he's won an mvp award he you know he got his due but one thing that is underrated about him nationally is the durability Mm -hmm. and just Mm -hmm. just when we talk about why these players that you commit this big money to on long-term deals um the a lot of these guys you know i'm not i hate to single somebody out here but like byron buxton with minnesota was in trade rumors really talented kid georgia guy he's hurt all the time Mm -hmm. and you have a lot of these a lot of these players who durability is just a question it is not a question with freddie and he's just he's done a great job taking care of himself he just he knows what he has to do and that's just and as snit would always say you know just knowing that you can put that name in the lineup every day uh Mm. it's a big deal well it is a contract year yeah. <laughs> hey, we've gone full circle. Yes, there it is. is. Now, I think Freddie's one person that we can say it doesn't matter what year it is. He's doing the same thing that yep. he normally does. And um, but uh, yeah, he's a, he's a special player, and it's fun to watch because man, he is locked in right now, like like he was all last year. Yeah. So. Well, young Gabe, we thank you so much for coming all the way down here and uh, spending some time with us. Are you going to be back on the road at all for the season? Go? You're not sure yet. We're not sure yet, but uh, radio things, just bit the bullet. Yeah, they're they're going, and the and the team is uh, pretty interesting. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, hopefully you're traveling in October. That's what I'm. What's I, your favorite town? That's what I'm rooting for. Um. I guess it depends on a ballpark or town. I mean, no, my, just town. Just oh, just town. Uh, San, I'm guessing San Diego. It'd be L. A. L. A. L. A. Would be my favorite. Chicago uh, was my favorite. Really? I like well, San Francisco is my favorite for like ballpark. Mm, okay. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, you never had the pitch there. That's why. I <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. Well, thanks so much, Gabe. We really appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Gabe. Our thanks again to Gabe Burns from the AJC for joining us here on Behind the Braves. Uh, Greg, we've got a quick road trip this week. Braves are doing a quick little trip to St. Louis and then coming right back here to Truist Park. And uh, that means it's time for another Alumni Sunday this weekend. Those have been going really well. I watched your your Q&A last Sunday on stage uh, with, uh, let's see, they were broadcasting at the ballpark. Oh, my gosh, I'm getting my Tom Pachorik. Tom Pachorik, that's right. Yep. And, and Mike uh, Remlinger. Mike Remlinger. Mm-hmm. That's right. Bo, Mark 
Bowman and I were sitting there. We watched it in the press box. That was a great. Uh, so now this Sunday, is there going to be another Q&A with your guys this weekend? Yeah, or? so we'll do the same format. So we'll have uh, Mike Mordecai on the World Series team, 95. And then um, Marvin Freeman, who was a teammate of mine. He was on the worst of first team. And, um, and we uh, – uh, get a chance to visit with them. We'll do the autographs first, like we did for the first uh, 40 minutes from 11.30 to 12.10, and then I'll do a little discussion with them from 12.10 to 12.30. So those guys uh, I've known for a long time, and, and of course Marvin's really involved in the uh, developing the game, baseball, uh, what we call growing the game. Uh, he's doing a lot of work with MLB and MLBPA. And um, and then Mike has, uh, is an AD down in Dothan, Alabama, and the head baseball coach for a, for a small school down there, so high school. So it would be great to see them, talk to them, and, and catch up with them a little bit. Cool. Well, I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, it'll be great. It'll be my first time hearing from Mike, well, at least since he was a player, and just watching mm-hmm. interviews back in the day. And Marvin, if, uh, if you listened to him the time he was on here before, a couple years back, or if you follow him on social media, you know he's very entertaining, has a big personality. Yeah, so. you know what? They've both been heavily involved, and in Marvin teaches. Right. Uh, Mike was actually a coach in the big leagues with Toronto, and he worked throughout the whole minor league system with the with the Blue Jays, did a really good job teaching infield and all that kind of stuff, and then decided to step away and be more at home and, and work for a school there. So uh, excited about what those guys – I'm always real proud of our alumni who, who give back and are really involved in – and grow in the game of baseball because I think it's important. Cool. One quick thing I wanted to ask you about before we get out of here. I was just thinking I've been watching uh, when we haven't been watching the Braves, been watching a lot of the Olympics in my house. Mm-hmm. Um, I was curious because you were on the 96 team that uh, went on quite a long road trip when the Olympics were here in Atlanta. Obviously, every facility in the area was being used for the Olympics, including at that time Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. And of course, what we now know as Turner Field was the Olympic Stadium at mm. that time. So you guys had to hit the road for a little while. What was what do you remember about being on the road for that? What were you gone like two, like three 20, weeks? Like 21 days. It seemed like. But here's the kicker is that that wasn't the first time that we did it. The year before the Republican National Convention was in Atlanta, I think it was in 95, okay. 94, 95. And we went on the road for 21 days as well. And if guys think a 10 day road trip is bad, which it is, I mean, you think about not only are you playing, so you're physically tired, but then you're traveling on planes and then your hotel, hotel food, uh, at ballpark food, because you're eating in the clubhouses. If you think 10 days is bad, I mean, 21 days, it just seemed like an eternity. And, of course, you're away from your family. You know, it's bad enough. Ten days is a long time. For a ball player, you can handle three days, and even six days or seven days is okay. But, man, ten days and then 21, it's just <laughs> it was amazing. And it just seemed like it went on forever. Because, you know, you think, how do you pack for 21 days? Yeah. I mean, that's right. a long time because we were wearing suits back then. Mm-hmm. You know, we were wearing ties and dress shirts and suits. And I remember Maddox. I mean, it was kind of like, the, did you did you just wad that up and then <laughs> wear that again? Did you wash your underwear? You know, that kind of thing. So, you know, it's just funny because everybody, that's just long. So you had to find some way to get your stuff laundered and and um and you know repurpose you're wearing the same things and i'm I'm sure there were some guys that said listen i'm only packing for three days and i'm just gonna i'm gonna wear it over and over and over Mm -hmm. again so because that is a long time but it it was something um it was something different that's for sure i remember being a 13 year old kid and i my eyes were glued to the atlanta olympics that Mm -hmm. summer it was just so cool and it was in the city where my baseball team played and you know, unlike now, it was in my time zone, so it was like all the stuff you wanted to watch, you could watch like at any point during the day live. Um, but I do remember, even at that point of being 13, thinking how strange that must have been for the for you guys on the Braves to just have to leave town. I mean, the whole world came to town. Except for the Braves, you guys had to get out of town, so that had to mm-hmm. been that had to have been quite a trip. It's kind of wild too, having that stadium built right right yeah. outside Fulton County. And of course, we got to go tour it and see you know all the things that they were going to say. Well, we're going to tear this down and put your locker room here and do all that kind of stuff. But that was kind of neat. But it was it was definitely a, a strange talking about strange years. We feel like we've been in one long, strange year for two years now, right? Yeah. Uh, But that was one of those years that was definitely out of the ordinary. Yeah. Well, 
just I just was thinking about that watching the Olympics. I was like, I wonder what Greg, I wonder mm-hmm. what that was like. So I, hey, I will say one thing. Yeah. Um, uh, Phil Necro night. You know, of course we lost oh, yeah. Phil back in um, at the end of December in 2020. Phil Necro night's coming up uh, August 24th. We're gonna have really cool. They got ticket packages. You can go on see on Braves.com. But you you know for every ticket that you buy in that package, they've got a really cool T-shirt. That, that T-shirt I saw it yeah. yesterday. That thing is yeah. awesome. It's got him holding a knuckleball. And what's funny about that is that I was in on the, uh, just getting the design confirmed or getting it approved. And when it was first sent to uh, the Necro family, I, Nancy, Nancy said, that's not how he holds his knuckleball. <laughs> That's awesome. And so we um, we got that corrected, and um, and she sent some pictures, which was great. So we we got a cool T-shirt, and then all the money from fifty fifty that night is going to go to the Edmondson Telford Center, which is a, was a big charity that Phil put his heart and soul in raising money for, which we do a golf tournament for every year up at uh, Chateau Elan, and um, so we're going to have those. People People out, uh, they'll have a big group of them out, um, and um, bringing a lot of awareness to to what the center does, and so we're real excited about that as well. And but yeah, so if you haven't thought about coming, and we're, of course we're playing the Yankees. There was mm-hmm. a tie with Phil played with the Yankees, right? And um, and then obviously he's one of our Hall of Famers. So uh, should be a great night. Hope everybody comes out, grab a T-shirt, um, you know, buy a ticket so you can get a T-shirt. How about that? That's it. That's a great T-shirt. Definitely go check it out. Braves.com slash Necro. Uh, that's where go. you can get all the info on that. Uh, the T-shirt is, is really cool. So definitely check that out. And if you long time behind the Braves listeners will remember we were fortunate enough you you That's had right. Phil on our show a few months before he passed actually and such a fun interview and he you could tell and he was promoting the golf tournament and the charity at that mm-hmm. time you could tell how passionate he was about that so uh, it's a great way to you can come out and see a ball game and help uh, carry on his legacy and contribute to a really really valuable uh, organization that, that he cared deeply about and uh, that his family obviously still does so mm-hmm. Braves.com slash Necro definitely check that out and uh hey if you're coming out this weekend check out alumni sunday and uh hopefully greg and i will see you out here so uh thank you as always for listening rating reviewing subscribing behind the braves wherever you get your podcasts uh we very much appreciate it for greg mcmichael i'm ricky mast we'll see you next week on behind the braves Hey, Braves country. We just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe Behind the Braves on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or at braves.com slash behind the Braves, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.